When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Roger Daltrey of The Who, and you're listening to The Real Me Podcast. Presented by Teen Cancer America and produced by Pantheon Podcasts. Teen Cancer America has made an enormous impact on the lives of young people with cancer. We recognize that this age group are too old to be treated as children, but too young to be treated as older adults making the in-between years difficult at the best of times. For 31 years, Pete Townsend and I have supported the Teenage Cancer Trust in the UK, seeing the benefits that our specialist zones and programs delivered for young people in hospitals made us determined to bring this idea across the pond to form Teen Cancer America. What you are about to hear are the authentic stories on how music can help teens and young adults process their experience as they fight this deadly disease. We support them by giving them the opportunity to work with professional musicians to develop an original song, from concept to fully produced recording. Join us as we hear their personal stories and reveal their real selves through the power of music. This is The Real Me. Welcome. This is the Real Me Podcast from Teen Cancer America in partnership with Pantheon Podcasts. I am your host, Erin Alden. A little bit about me. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer in the recording industry, a TV and film veteran, and I'm lucky enough to be your podcast host. Each episode, we will shine a light on TCA's remarkable playback program, giving adolescents and young adults or AYA cancer survivors the opportunity to rock. And let me tell you, these kids bring it every week. Today, our playback artist is Brian Smith. His story is really deep. He speaks candidly about his darkest struggles, his fears, and ultimately a very optimistic view of living his best life. We will listen to a trilogy of songs documenting all of this. I can't wait for you to hear this. But first up, we have Kenley Mattis here to tell us all of the latest TCA news. Is anything new? Well, I'd say there's some more people coming into the studio, which is exciting now that more people are vaccinated, which has been really amazing. I know there's been a little bit of a bump in the road with the with the Delta variant. Who thought we would know what a Delta variant is? But anyway, but I still, know. And then there's another in. one, Lambda, right? Oh, my gosh. Did not know. But yes. Meanwhile, um, yeah. And so but we're masking up and we're being careful. And it's just, you know, a whole nother aspect when people are in the studio on the mic, you know, just getting such great responses from everyone because over COVID, people have learned how to record themselves. Apogee has, uh, and Benny Blanco has bought us mics from Apogee to use for vocals, but now they're in the studio. We have the, we have the big guns in the studio with the nice big mics and, and all that, so that just everyone gets really excited to hear their voice sounding like a record, and, um, and just being in the same room and creating has been really awesome. 
just the other day, one of the playback artists, who's a, a multi-instrumentalist, had a piece that he wanted a, a piano part on, and uh, we've had different people play piano on some of our songs, and we had the, um, a producer named Mac Rawlings play, who's uh, Willie Nelson. He's won a few Grammys with Willie Nelson for producing him and plays with Lyle Lovett. He's Lyle Lovett's p- piano player, and he just one of those tracks where you hear two bars and literally we like started screaming when we heard the track. It was just so awesome. You know, have a master play on the track. So he, you know, it's such a, such a joy to, to realize his music like that. So that was really great. Well, that's awesome. And, um, we'll leave that as a surprise. So perhaps when we get that guest on, we can talk all about that. That would be a great fun episode. Fantastic. Well, cool. Today, I'm really, really excited to have our guest, Brian Smith, on. Brian has such an incredible story. You guys are going to just be immersed in so many incredible things. And his journey, you know, his journey is about fighting back against incredible highs and lows. And I'm just grateful that we could spend some time with Brian. So I'm going to introduce him right now. Brian, hi. Hey, Aaron. So nice to see you. We've been so excited to get this episode rolling. So I'm I'm happy that we are all here today. Me too. Yeah. So I want to talk about a lot of things, but I, I think that why don't we just start with you and maybe you can tell us a little bit about how this whole process started, how old you were, and really what your story is. Sure. Um, so I... Start right from the cancer, okay. Wherever you want to. All right. That's... Yeah, or I can ask you, what were you doing before that? How old were you? So I was 22. I was in my um, I was in my senior year of college, mm-hmm. and um, I was uh, I had realized that I had a lump on my testicle, and I kind of passed it off. Honestly, that's the truth, and it's kind of that horror story where I didn't I didn't give it the attention it needed. Maybe at partly out of fear. Maybe I was trying to tell myself, oh, this is something else, right? And um, that that wasn't the case. And like when it got bad enough, you know, I went to I went to my father and and we set something up and I went to a doctor's appointment. And sure enough, it was clear as day. Like I could I knew what it was by like looking at WebMD, right? So yeah. like of course the doctor yeah. was like, whoa. And um yeah, basically the the following um, the following week, I was going in for surgery, and it kind of all just started going. And um, after I had the surgery and they did the biopsy, um, we found out that it metastasized to my left lung, mm. and um, so we started. Um, pretty sure it's my left, <laughs> but we um, got signed up to do like a pretty rigorous chemotherapy regimen. I think it was like. I don't know. I'm glad my folks are here. I don't remember a lot of this stuff and a lot of that has to do with a lot of this stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really, really intense chemotherapy thing. And so I was, um, I was like determined to finish school. Like there was nothing that was going to stop me from finishing school. I had worked way too hard to get there. And, um, my mother, uh, kind of drove me to school every day so that I could go to school and I could finish school while I was in treatment. And, um, while I was in treatment, I was, uh, there was a moment I was staring at the wall and I got this like kaleidoscope vision. Uh, it wasn't like, 
a good sign. And sure enough, after doing scans and stuff, we realized that the cancer metastasized to my brain. Mm. Um, and then we, uh, we went ahead and I got radiation, like stereotactic radiation treatments for that. And then, um, yeah. And you know, I, <laughs> there's no good cancer, but you know, for what it's worth, mine was very treatable. And, um, shortly after that, I went into remission. I walked, you know, I didn't finish school in that moment, but I walked and I got really close. I was like, I had to finish my thesis and that was the one thing I didn't finish. And I wound up finishing that a little, uh, little later on, but, um, yeah, I went into remission and, and life kind of went back to normal for a little bit, whatever that was at that point. Um, man, I guess like truth be told is like during that time I had absolutely no idea how to deal with anything after I went through that. I can only imagine. And I had, um, I had a substance abuse history. Like prior to this, I was um, a bit of a drinker in high school and much more of a drinker. And actually I was a drinker in high school. I was a drinker in college. And um, so that's how I knew how to, how to deal with things, things, emotional things, all of that. And so when I, when I got out of treatment, like I just, I just dove in and, um, you thought you thought you were in a safe zone. Yeah. And so I went, I, I, I pretty much had like one really, really bad, uh, incidents. Like I had all my friends over and like threw a party, like, Oh yeah, let's go. And, and it was kind of a nightmare. And, um, I told myself I was never going to do that again. And so I kind of, I put a hold on that and I kind of started to get it together a little bit. Uh, I had a pretty good summer from what I can remember like hanging out with friends again, just like life kind of carrying on normally. And um, I think it was, must've been, I don't, I don't remember the exact date, but I went and saw that movie 50, 50 about cancer with like two or three of my friends. And I was sitting there in the movie theater and um, my body just locked up. I don't know what happened. I just, it was the scariest thing. And I, I woke up in the back of an ambulance. I had a grand mal seizure in the movie theater. Wow. And I got rushed off to some hospital. I think it was, I don't know, somewhere in the Valley. I think I don't remember, honestly. So that happened and I found out I had another brain tumor. So we started, uh, we started treat radiation treatments again. And there's a lot of like really horrific things that go on throughout all of this. So I'm going to try. Um, sure. There was, uh, like things just got really bad. Like the radiation treatments basically did not work. And, um, the dead tissue that was in my brain was causing me to have seizures. Um, I think like my choice was at that point was like to keep trying radiation treatment or I had to get, to get brain surgery to remove as much of it as I, as we could. Mm-hmm. We decided to brain surgery sound like the best option at that point. So uh, we decided to, to go with that. And I went into that knowing that I would have some form of paralysis on the left side of my body. So I don't know how to describe where it is, but it was on the right side of my brain. And um, I went through with the surgery and they got out as much as they could. I had, I had an incredible brain surgeon. I really did. I couldn't have been more fortunate to get the person that I got like world renowned. And were you you were treated here in Los Angeles, right? That's correct. This all happened at UCLA. Okay. My previous treatments happened at an extension in UCLA out here in Santa Clarita where I live. And then mm-hmm. 
everything else was over there at the uh, the Ronald Reagan Center in Westwood. It's a great center. Yeah, it's incredible. Very lucky to be able to go there. So when that happened, I think the gravity of that finally, like, I had hung on up to that point. And like, I just lost it. I couldn't, I couldn't go on, honestly. It, it really just like, it hit me in some kind of way. And I just couldn't, I just gave up, honestly. Like, that's the truth. I just dove, dove really hard into, um, into substance use. You know, I, I started to get off medications, you know, I'll give myself that credit. And I, I got hooked to, uh, to CBD. Like I got that to, um, I think I, what I told myself is I was, I got that to try and get off medications. But the reality was, is I got that because I wanted to feel different. And sure enough, okay. that, that did that for me. And, um, I turned, I turned to street drugs cause I had a medical marijuana license got to, I was just getting loaded every day. And like the weed turned to psychedelics and the psychedelics turned to cocaine. And that's really what took me down, you know? And, uh, yeah, it got to a point where I was not like a tolerable person to be around, like something had to be done. And I, I had like pretty much an ultimatum. It was like, cause I was living with my folks. I hadn't even like gotten to a place where I was able to take care of myself. I was just a mess. Yeah. And, and I wound up going to was rehab or I guess like the streets, like my folks didn't say that they put it in, like, they just put like, okay, rehab. And like, that's not like the best option. Honestly, I was terrified. Like, you know, I knew I had a problem. I just, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I went to rehab and like 30 days and, and did all that and cleared myself, my body of the chemicals. And then I guess like the real recovery process started and, um, I've been chasing that around for a while now. I had like um, a solid like three and a half years of being sober. And and then I had a little slip, but I've been sober since then. And um, at some point in there, <laughs> I'd had a few experiences with Teen Cancer America. How did that, how did that come about? How did you hear about Teen Cancer America? Well, back in like 2011, I think my father and myself and my then college counselor, my dad looks a little perplexed. I think it's 2011. Um, <laughs> uh, for for the folks that obviously can't see us, we are fortunate enough to have both of um, Brian's parents here, and we're going to talk to them a little later. But yes, it is nice. You can shake your head yes or no <laughs> if something's not right. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> um, there was actually the backyard concert, which TCA does, I think, annually. And I think it might have been the first one. I'm not entirely sure, but we got, I somehow got an invite through someone at the Sims Manor for Sims Man Center for Integrative Oncology at UCLA, which was um, a godsend. The people there like basically walked me through all those horrific experiences and I'm eternally grateful to them. And yeah, so we got to go to this really cool, like a uh, really cool charity event. And, and we had, we had fun for about as long as we could. Cause I was still, I was still a little beat up and, and my, my, my college counselor, um, oddly enough was fighting cancer at the same time as me. So she was in treatment too. So wow. it was really, um, it was really, really special. It was a special, special time that we all got to do that after everything we had been through and had been going through. So that was like the first time I met TCA. I think somewhere along the line there, I went to like a photo shoot thing. Um, but honestly, uh, just was not ready 
Mm. to like, I think my dad like dragged me there pretty much. Like I was, I was, I don't think I was in any like kind of headspace to be able to do that, but I, I still went ahead and did it. And yeah, so that was the last time I had seen them, seen them. Um, and then when, when I sobered up, I was applying for jobs and like, I saw TCA and, um, <laughs> so incredible, right? really. <laughs> And, I mean, if you can't say it's divine intervention, I don't know what it is. Yeah. This this was given to you twice. Incredible. So you saw this yeah. ad. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I reached out and like, I did a phone interview with, um, with all these people who are now my friends. But like, uh, and I was I was so excited. Like, I thought the phone interview went well. I just wanted a job, man. I really did. I wanted to get back yeah. on my feet. And like. <laughs> They called me in for what I thought was a second interview and I go in there and I think it was Simon, uh, Simon's the director, Hillary, um, and I think it was Michelle. There was three of them. I don't remember, but I went in there and I'm like, oh, I'm in, man. Like, (laughs) I'm going to get a job. (laughs) Like, you know, and um, that just wasn't the case. Like, they totally flipped the table on me and they were like, what can we do to help you? Wow. Yeah. They, they, they said someone had filled up, uh, someone had filled the role. So I was like, Oh, all right. And then they're like, yeah, what can we do to help you? And they threw out, um, they threw out all these options. Right. And, uh, like what, like what there was like, um, a support group. I think it's the American cancer society. I think they have a building out in, in West LA. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I went to that and, and, and honestly, I just wasn't in that space anymore. You know, I, um, that I had, I had done support groups when I'd gone through my experience and they're invaluable, you know, like to have people and cause like with AYAs, right. That, uh, 15 to 39 age group, man, like when you have people to relate to, man, and especially in those times, it's just, it's so helpful. And I had that at Sims, man. And when I went to that, I just like, it brought me back there for a moment, you know, and like just seeing all the people going through, they're going through it then and not saying that I wasn't going through it in my own way but they're going through it and I just it just wasn't for me and like it's funny because when they were throwing out the options the uh the one that really I think Hillary actually saw uh a light turn on when she said it is like oh we got this uh there's this music program we got this this producer named Kenley out in Santa Monica and and that and like I just kind of like I love music, honestly. And um, and were you I, playing music before? Were you doing anything musical? Um, so I sang, my father's a composer by trade, and I sang in some jingles when I was a kid. Um, and I actually, like, I, I fooled around with music a little bit in, in, like, college, but nothing serious, and I didn't take it seriously. But uh, when I was sick, I it's, I actually, I had, like, maybe like a little window there where I wrote a couple songs and like in, in a weird way, like in some deep way, I kind of knew that I was going to do something with music at that point because I had been stripped of everything. And it was just like, I just had a feeling like, I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. And like, I think when, <laughs> when I got that opportunity to go, to go hang with Kenley, it was just uh I just went for it. Honestly, I was excited. And like, I went in there and it, things just clicked, man. Like it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's such a spiritual thing. It really is like, Ian Kenley just hit it off. He made it really like, 
easy to be there and to hang. And man, like we just talked about music. And honestly, like, man, was, I got a friend, like we were just talking and hanging out and talking about music and we just had fun, man. And I hadn't had fun for a very long time. A very long Well, we're going to talk, we're going to talk all about you meeting Kenley and how, you, you know, your first song took shape. Okay. But I do want to acknowledge something because I think it's really important and I don't use these words lightly, but honestly, with everything that you went through, you were a true fighter incredibly brave and a freaking superhero. And I'm really happy that you're here today, that you can tell your story. It's such an important one because I think that sometimes people go through traumatic situations like this and they don't know how to handle their feelings. They don't know how to get help and they're alone. And this is such an important program. And one of the reasons I asked you what TCA offered is to show that there's so much support out there for people who necessarily wouldn't think that they could get any. This is such a, an incredible platform to give you and other cancer patients and survivors and family members a place to go. So I'm truly inspired by your story and, and um, yeah, I, th I think a lot of people will be too. But let's get into music. Kenley, do you remember the first time that you met Brian? Yeah, I think I do. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Uh, you know, we'd spoken on the phone actually was the first time. And he's a pretty soft-spoken guy, you know, and he's like, I mean... I just, I didn't know what to expect because when he came in, we started to talk music and I started to realize that he was just such a deep music fan. He was referencing all of these artists that I hadn't heard of. He was into underground. He had a moment where he's into underground punk and going to shows he told me about. He was really into hip hop and rap, a lot of different people that I hadn't heard of. And that's always a good sign. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then... I wasn't really like, you know, I do a lot of, of different things. I thought it was really cool that his dad uh, is sort of like his dad and I are very similar, but from different uh, pockets of music. And so, you know, and I thought that was really cool because he was familiar with like having a studio set up because his dad has a studio set up. He's familiar with, with this whole thing. I mean, I'm a family guy and his dad is obviously a family guy. So there was some sort of parallel once I got to know Brian a little better. And I thought that was really cool. And I just, you know, I think really there's a bunch of different things that have happened. I've known Brian for a while now. We've done a lot of stuff together and he feels like a, a bit of a brother to me. But I would say that like we had gotten s some kind of like a donation of music, like like of beats basically, you know, because he had said that mm -hmm. he was into hip hop and rap. And I was like, you know, we can make some beats, but you know, there's this producer named Mark Brown from England, who's a DJ and he's got a company that makes beats and he's got a whole staff of producers. And we're like, let's check out some of the stuff and just see if anything hits Amazing. you, you know? And so I played him some of the beats and he's like, that's pretty cool. And so I, you know, after having the conversation, he basically went home with the beats, came back a week later. was like, I got something. Like, All right, cool. You know, like, Great. and I mean, I don't think that he had been on the mic for a while, I mean, he played me some stuff he'd done with a friend of his when he was in his early 20s. And, and Brian and I met when he was probably 30, maybe, you know, something like that, and maybe just turned 30. So, um, so you know, it was one of these things where he just, I turn on, you know, I hit record and I was like, oh, man, like, this is just heavy and amazing, you know. And the first tune he did 
was a song about a lot about the story that he told you before about the the drug uh, addiction and and going through that and very graphic and very like just in detail like fire like just rapid fire like this is what happened like you know talking about just like I mean you know that, that that's one of these songs where you got to hear it and it was just really impactful and really just like cracked him wide open I think you know because then the next track that he sort of wanted to work on same kind of deal like he went home he worked it up he came in you know got on the mic and like sang this sang but mind you not rapped but sang this amazing pop song like a love song and I and I say that you know, not only because I think it's amazing, but it's one of those songs where like I have people, you know, I play stuff for people that play it back does. And these are like serious people like Benny Blanco, um, you know, has more number one hits than anyone I've ever met, you know, and uh, Portugal, the man and this guy, Sean Jacobs from South Africa, who is a friend of mine who's, you know, like a award winning, like album of the year winner in South, like just real people. And that sounds so bad, but you know, like real, you know, successful musicians <laughs> who like. Well, yeah, real people is, of, is a wonderful thing. In yeah, the music you know what business. I mean. Though. Like, I mean, everyone's a musician, and that's great. But these are like, yeah, you know, heavy dudes. I guess I'd say, and um, they're just like, this is this is amazing. This is a great song. You know, like they're just you know showering praise on on Brian's creativity, and I just. It was really fun and like we you know some of the stuff that i remember that kind of cracks me up now was like when we were tracking like he wouldn't want to punch in he wouldn't want to like take you know we got to fix this word or fix this line he'd be like i remember this we had this conversation he's like well frank sinatra didn't punch in i'm like well frank sinatra didn't have logic pro and no offense but like you're not frank so let's go you know <laughs> but um you know it was just fun stuff and i mean that was part of the process I mean, and I don't know, like I, I could keep going, you know, as far as Brian's journey, but I, you know, from my perspective, but I mean, there's a few things that happened that are really, you know, were really huge for me. And I think for Brian in the last like three years, and, and one of them was that, uh, someone had heard the first song that he did about the drug addiction and wanted him to perform at a, at a conference in Texas, wanted him to perform this song. And so... Yeah. Let me let me stop you for a minute. What's the name of the song? The song is called Brian, you want to tell us? So alone. So alone. And how did they see uh Brian's performance? Was it on the TCA website? I think TCA got the song to they maybe heard about the program, maybe they you know were sent some stuff that we had worked on to be like this is what one of the things we're doing now and um and got one it. of the doctors there was like, you know, I really want Brian to perform before I talk about drug abuse and misuse amongst the cancer population. And so they flew us down. I, I accompanied Brian, uh, not only in guitar, but on the plane and in the hotel, you know, and, and we were, you know, two peas in a pod for a weekend. And, you know, we practiced a bunch. It was, as far as I know, like his first gig like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we flew down. I mean, my, it's sort of like a mini tour, you know, we flew down, we played, so alone um you know got a standing ovation then played the other song which is called the one you know i'm talking about brian what's the other song sunrise yeah sunrise and you know another standing ovation brian just knocked it out of the park you know and um and it was so i mean i'll let you talk about it for a second brian i know i feel like um i'm i don't want to give too much away so maybe you can talk speak to that a little bit so was this your first performance ever i'm trying yeah i think so i think so yeah 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, you get a standing ovation. (laughs) Yeah, I guess (laughs) you did. That is just unheard of. It was pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I think so much, it felt like such a, a vindication of like this journey, this, you know, of, it was just one of those moments, you know what I mean? It's just one of those moments where like, you know, he put all this hard work into writing this material. And by the way, like these weren't the only two songs that he had written. These were the two songs that we chose to, mm-hmm. to play. He, by that time, had written maybe five or six songs, maybe more. Wow. Um, to different beats. And then we had created some beats together that he had written to. And also we had collaborated with some other playback artists. So maybe we're talking like maybe seven or eight songs. I'm not exactly sure, but you know, and so, um, you know, it's funny, like when I start talking about this and I think about Brian's story and the whole, I feel like it's like a movie. I feel like, you know, Brian could have a a movie based on his experiences even up to now, you know, he's not, I don't know, Brian, what are you like 34 now? 35. What is it? 33? 33. 33. Sorry. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and that, I like have that feeling because it's like this triumphant kind of thing going on. It's like this, you know, it's funny because I see Brian's parents and I, kn- I mean, I know, and Brian and I, Brian and I have talked so much about like the hard times that he's gone through and I wasn't there. And I know like from what Brian's told me and what I can imagine, he kind of put him through hell. I gotta say, you know yeah. what I mean, and I and I, 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 uh, I, I can't even imagine, you know what I mean. And also, it's so crazy to sure. me because Brian's like the sweetest guy I know. You know, he's like so real, so emotional, like so. He's done so much work on himself that he's a transformed person. I don't know the Brian from before. His parents know both, you know. And sure. I think it's really, it's just sure. wild to see somebody go on that journey and then be able to speak to it so eloquently. He's so soft spoken. But he really doesn't waste words, which is, you know, I don't meet many people like that, you know. Well, you did mention Brian's parents, and of course, they are here with us. So why don't we take a quick commercial break and we will come back with Brian's parents. And we're back. Let me introduce you to Greg and Betty, Brian's parents. Um, You've been listening to this story. Uh, You know, where do I start? How did you first hear the news? Uh, how did you take it? What happened? I obviously you, you went through a um, intervention, but tell me a little bit about what this did to you guys as a family. Um, hmm. Where to begin? We, you know, just to, to keep <laughs> keep this short. It, uh, those of you who are parents, you you know how you feel about your children, babies, and all that. But we're finding that that doesn't really stop so when when your children are going through something difficult regardless of their age you 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 suffer right along with them uh but uh as parents there's some things you can do and you rise to the occasion and i i watched my wife uh turn into nurse chauffeur manager you know i kept working uh during the treatments and and she kicked into uh, super mom mode. And, uh, it was, it was something to see. And there was a, a quite a team effort. Brian uh, finishing that last year at Loyola Marymount, she was outside waiting in the car outside of his classes, was studying her courses while that was going on. And, and whenever there was, um, 
the, the many appointments, uh, there was always some kind of needle being stuck in Brian, right, Brian? <laughs> and, and we used to, the, the blood tests were, were, the, were the worst because as his veins would wear out, we, uh, we would worry how many pokes it would take to actually find a vein. So we would, we would stay in touch. And this is a small example of the parenting that goes on when, there's, when uh, your kid is sick. Uh, whichever one of us was there, would, we'd inform the other well, how many pokes did it take? <laughs> you know, because we know if it was two or three, that we oh, good. That was a good day. Uh, but sometimes it would be five, or uh, or they'd look elsewhere. So we, we, we followed every step of the way, whether we were there together or not. But much of the time we were there, and and it, it was um, something to see. I think you, uh, Aaron, you you referred to Brian as a superhero. And one, one example of that, if you don't mind me uh, citing. Absolutely, please. He, uh, he was weakened, of course. Uh, his immune system was weakened by all of his treatments, the chemo, what have you. And one morning he, he woke up, he was home with us, and he was in the middle of this final semester at Loyola Marymount. And he, he had having trouble breathing, <laughs> coughing. And the doctor said, we called the doctor, of course, immediately. And he said, get him to the ER. So I had work to do. Betty took him to the ER, and they're, they're in the ER. He's getting treated for, of course, pneumonia, which was a, a danger uh, at that time. And serious, but it was treatable. He was in the ER. He was in a, a bed there. And, and, and I said to Betty on the phone, thank God for cell phones, by the way. What, what, what's, he, yeah. what's, what's he doing? Is, is he okay? And she told me, she goes, yeah, he's sitting there on the bed with his laptop writing a a paper. Yeah. Okay. That's a superhero. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of that going on. Uh, but we, we, we did what we had to do as, as you would all do for a, a friend or especially a child. So, uh, uh, and it, it's funny when all was said and done, um, there was a certain vacuum. And I, I think this might account for some of Brian's uh, post uh, treatment experiences that 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 vacuum where everyone had something to do, you know, we had a purpose. Uh, it 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 went away. That purpose went away, and uh, I, I I guess it's like the border collie. You know, you, border collies they like to herd dogs or um, herd cattle and sheep and everything. And if they don't find sheep and cattle to herd, they go off and find something to do on their own, which may may or may not be constructive. I've, so I, I yeah. feel like and, some of that might have gone uh, uh, the wrong way with Brian. But we, we, you remember feeling a certain vacuum when it was all said and done? Um, I felt a vacuum, but I also know that Brian was on so much medication, so much medication. I, I'm not exaggerating when I want to say 20, 30 pills a day to take care of this, to take care of that with this symptom. She was also a pharmacist, I yeah. forgot to mention. Yeah, I, I <laughs> locked him up. <laughs> um, so he, his body got used to all that medicine. Of course. And he took himself, a credit to him and a testament to him. As soon as he could come off of something, he would ask, I want to come off of this, I want to come off of this. He took himself off of every single medication that he was able to, except for the anti-seizure meds. Um, so 
even though he turned to those medications, I also think that his body was just used to having medications. So it was easier maybe for his abuse to set in. I don't know if that's a common thing with cancer patients, young cancer patients after they go through treatment. Um, but I watched it with him. And if we can move forward to TCA, and I don't know if you, that's your next question. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> your timing is perfect because, yeah, um, from your point of view, you learn about this program and the fact that not only does he uh, want to do it, but he does it. What has that meant to you knowing that he has this program and this team of incredible people? Well, for me, it opened a door to what Brian truly loved to do. And I heard his whole life. He's He's been rapping and doing lyrics in the car. We go to the orthodontist, you know, he's, he's rapping in his brain. He's writing lyrics in his brain. And, <laughs> And he goes down you and he gets his degree in political science and, you know, and maybe had a passion for that at the time. And did he not get a minor? Am I wrong? He's right there. Did you get a minor? Him? No, okay. It's, <laughs> no. Your it's your brother. Sorry. But he did graduate with oh, honors. Son. <laughs> um, so um, what I think uh, Teen Cancer America and specifically um, the Play It Back program has done for him is that's his passion. And they helped draw that out of him, Kenley, <laughs> especially. And Great. Brian has, I don't know if Kenley knows all of this, but Brian has literally written a song for everyone in our family. He has sat down and he has written a song about his experiences with that person in the family. He wrote a, a song on our anniversary mm. for us. He just, it's, you can tell it just, it's what he loves to do and and that TCA that um, play it back program has helped him and nurtured him and Kenley being a brother or <laughs> to him in in that regard <laughs> I just see a transformation with him so thank you again you know I I don't use these words often but I think that it's definitely true. There was so much divine intervention from every aspect of any room. Uh, and I really appreciate what you said about the program. I think it's so important that other people listening to this hear time and time again, that this is something that's available and you don't have to be great at it, but it's a tool that you can use to express yourselves. And uh, yeah, I'm Brian is truly talented in so many ways. Um, I would love to get into the songwriting process, Kenley. Okay, so let's talk about the songs. And this is a little different than we normally do, and it's really important. So there's actually a trilogy. Um, it's a, it's gone from, you know, the beginning to the middle song to one of the end songs, and then there's a billion other ones. But let's talk about the first three. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can interject here and say, you know, Brian came in, we went over some beats that were given to us to work with. He he latched on to, a, to one of them. He went home. He worked on it. He came back. He told this story of addiction, which blew my mind and then blew a lot of other people's minds. Um, 
and it was very, I th- you know, I can't, I think it was very cathartic. Would you agree with that, Brian? Absolutely. And so after we finished producing vocals for that and sort of getting our, our workflow going, cause that was also the first song that we started tracking with. So that was, some of it was talking about how are we going to do this and even how he's comfortable sitting or standing or whatever it might be. And then also we had the Frank Sinatra, you know, thing of, of not punching <laughs> in. So we had to go over some <laughs> of that. Cause I, I definitely wanted him to, you know, double and triple certain things and get the chorus sounding big. Um, and then, uh, or even like the question of auto tune, you know, he was not a fan. I don't, I don't lather on the auto tune if I don't think it's part of the sound, but I also think it's part of the modern listeners, uh, you know, norm. So if we tighten things up, I didn't, you know, we had to have a conversation about that, you know, um, and this, by the way, this is for the song "So Correct. Alone," Correct. right? And, okay. And then, so then, you know, going on from that, and you know, playing that for for people and having them go, "Wow!" Basically, you know, this is heavy. You know, I mean, yeah, and, and beautiful, and and you know, like you hear it and you go, "This guy's gone through some stuff." You know. Well, so right there, why don't we listen to a brief portion of "So Alone" so the listeners can get an idea, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Hear the screams, no amount of anything Got me through the pain, you see Morphine was time released Oxycontin for the knees Xanax for anxiety Kicked it all with CBD Got hooked to the THC Monthly rolls of ecstasy Eating mushrooms, LSD Blowing coke until I bleed Overdosing on Molly Hospital psychiatry What is going on with me? Lost my heart, mind, and my soul Lord knows I was so alone I'm so alone, I'm going crazy I lost my soul, the devil played me I'm so alone, don't feel a damn thing My heart is cold, Lord save me I'm so alone, I'm going crazy Wow, um, Brian, obviously you bared your soul right out of the gate. Um, did you enjoy the process along with the Frank Sinatra stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, it was great. I, I just, I honestly, I could barely remember, but the thing, it's like, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Great. Kenley, any more thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that it was I almost I, I wanna say that he wasn't it wasn't that he was shy about it, but he was kinda like, You ready? Here we go. You know what I mean? Like cause I didn't know what he was gonna start, you know, saying on the mic. He wasn't like, Do you think this is all right? He was just he just went. That's an artist. And I was just like I was just impressed that he just went for it. It was like, you know, you try to get that out of artists, like, just be honest, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I didn't need to say, just be honest, <laughs> Brian, you know? <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, like, we haven't mentioned it yet, but Brian's, you know, rapper name is Right Side. Yes, I was going to I'll let that. him explain because that sort of clues you into the honesty aspect of Brian. Yes. You know, as far as I'm concerned. So Brian, I know sort of the origins of this, but maybe you can just explain to the people listening about Right Side. Sure. So I had mentioned that in my story that I was going that I would likely have some form of paralysis on the left side of my body. So walking away from that, I I I I have a weakened left side. Um I have range of motion and my arm and my leg, you know, I can walk. Um, 
my hand is probably my weakest part. I don't really have any use of my hand. Um, and <laughs> I do everything with my right side. It's true. Like the majority of things I do with my right side and, um, or out of necessity. Uh, but the, I got to give credit to, uh, when I was in rehab, there was this, uh, this dude I did dishes with and, um, man, I love, love this guy. I miss him, man. But he, uh, his name was, his name was Robert. And he'd always just call me right side. Like that's what he called me. Cause I'm sitting there, I'm doing dishes with my right side and he's like, right side, you know? And, <laughs> um, I think it just, it just makes a lot of sense. Like it really does. So it's a great, it's great. It's a great name. Thank you. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Brian's very self-aware, you know, I mean, and, uh, and so that being said, I think that like everyone else, you know, what I started to learn was he's not only somebody who is defined by his cancer story or his struggles with even just getting around, you know, after his cancer, you know, experience, but also like love and, you know, and questions about life. And these are things that like come into his songs. And so the second song that we worked on was a really cool beat. You know, I don't know what to expect. I just know he latched on to something and he's like, I'm going to work on this. And it was the same thing. It's like, you know, we, we worked on it. We, maybe we had like a minute of music that I cut together to make kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, breakdown, chorus. Maybe I'm not sure exactly what I gave him. And he just comes back with a fully formed, you know, melody and lyric, which I thought was really advanced. You know, not everyone does that. And um, and then I, you know, basically hit record. You know, I produced the vocal with him, but he he did the, the heavy lifting and does this like completely turn uh, turnaround of like this awesome love song and that song's called sunrise right okay yes and brian um you're lucky because your dad's a musician so you recorded everything at your house and then sent the tracks over or you actually went in the studio with kenley it's in the studio with kenley got it got it which i think was a really awesome part of it because i think that that was you know us just being a team you know, and him asking me, is that, what do you think of that? And me saying, do another one or me saying, let's double it or me saying, do a harmony or me saying, let's take the drums out for this part. You know, there's a lot of that collaboration going on. Um, and the cool thing is that like Brian knows what he wants, which I think is a really powerful thing for an artist. You know, he's got vision, but he's also open to suggestion. And it, we were very, you know, we were, it felt like a team, even though he was driving the bus you know, and um, I, I think that I have obviously have more experience in the studio than he does. And so I could say, well, we can do this. We could do that. We have this effect that. What do you think of this? You know, so it was great. It, we, we made a great team. I mean, I think we hit it off. You know, he was also maybe the third or fourth playback artist. So it was really early on in the whole thing. You know, it was a very tight knit group. One of the coolest parts about before COVID was that we would have sessions that sort of accidentally overlapped. So we had other singers, artists who would be in here and maybe Brian would be here and they would show up or vice versa to where we started to collaborate and they started to collaborate together, which was awesome. So what started so to happen was that Brian started to use his talents to help other people like I was doing. So he started to kind of clue in on what I was doing and sort of and, and become another writer in the room. And then we wrote 
you know, at least three tunes at that, you know, the first year with other people, a few of them are like these anthemic kind of everyone joined in and, and did parts in them. And that was a lot to do with Brian's openness to just be like, hey, maybe we should do something now. You know, it wasn't even my idea. You know, I, I, I was more like, oh, maybe everyone needs their own sort of, you know, experience their own material. But everyone was really into collaborating with people who'd been through some some stuff, you know, who could relate, you know, and, and the songs, you know, reflect that. Sure. They reflect a certain camaraderie. So that was another, that's another aspect of what Brian lent to the program and lends to the program, you know, more so even more now. So that kind of led to him kind of looking over my shoulder as to what I was doing with logic <laughs> and kind of being like, maybe I could do some of this. And then me giving him tips. I mean, I love showing everyone what I do. And I've, that's how, as Greg will tell you, you know, Greg is a lifelong musician, probably, you know, years down the road from what I'm doing. It's like, there's so much that you learn from your peers and, you know, people who you work with in sessions and you just pick up tips everywhere. Yeah. That's, so, you know, we didn't have YouTube, you know, when we were learning. So we're in the studio and we're going, what did you just do? Like you're watching a Pro Tools session. Go, wait, how did you do that? You know, <laughs> you know, and then they tell you, okay, cool. And it's sort of like learning a new chord, like how Paul McCartney would talk about learning a new chord, you know, and then throwing it into your next song. Brian did a lot of that. And, you know, I, you know, the, I told him that he should get logic. I, I suggested it, you know, I, you know, we talk about production stuff a lot. And, and we, there was one conversation we had about, uh, do you, are you familiar with an, another, can I talk about another sort of YouTube channel? Uh, sure. Pensado's Place. Pensado's Place oh, is, a, is a great um, sort of geeked out engineering producing uh, YouTube show by Dave Pensado and, and uh, Hal, his manager. And so... I've learned so much from from the, watching that and other things like it. And there's one interview with a guy named Alex DeKid who uh, was produced uh, Imagine Dragons and Eminem, a lot of hit songs. And, and he talks about how he started to make beats and he would number them instead of name them. And by the time he got to beat 1000, Swiss Beats heard it. And he, you know, got a break and started to do this. Now he's, you know, now he's a very successful music producer and record label owner, whatever. And so I told that story to Brian and Brian started numbering his beats. He started to make beats and then he started to number Incredible. his beats. And what number are you on today right now, Brian? So I... <laughs> did you stop numbering? I did and I'm picking it back yeah. up again. Uh, but I, you know, I, I have, I'm like 270 oh right now. Gosh. And yeah. There's a few. That and this is like within the last year and a half, maybe two years, maybe. Crazy. Well, so, it's your calling. I mean, that's just what it is. It's your it's your calling. I want to go back a little bit. We mentioned Sunrise. That's the second song in the trilogy. Why don't we listen to a, a bit of that and then we'll come back again. Such a great hook. I love that song too, a lot. Um, thoughts about that process? 
Brian? Bear your soul. No, you don't have to. No, I, I don't know. You know, like, the thing that I'm starting to realize is, like, some of this stuff just came out of me. Like, I could say that this song is about this person or that person, and, you know, it really isn't. Like, un like I don't know, like, however many years it's been now, three years or so, like, I think that song is, is just about love. It's... I don't know, maybe like, I think I'm always just kind of speaking to this like ideal person, you know, and like, I'm pretty convinced that that is what that song is about. So like this, this ideal, ideal person that I'm, I'm longing for. Hmm. And um, yeah, no, <laughs> that's what it's about. Can I say something? Absolutely. Yeah. Just my observation about my son's songwriting is, uh, and it, my favorite part, I should say, is that he puts two hooks in every song. <laughs> He's a very generous songwriter. It's yeah. hard enough to come up with one good hook, let alone two. <laughs> That's yeah, my I mean, boy. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, I mean, I'd say. <laughs> That's right. You know, I think one of the things that we've seen Brian and I have noticed, you know, is like, I mean, he makes really cool beats and really creative and, and sometimes really out there sounds. And, but I feel like I could put him in a session with someone who's got a beat and he comes up with just the goods, you know, the melodies and the hooks and the lines. And so it's just like, you know, it sort of unleashed the beast, you know? Um, and, and that kind of leads us to the third song, which is called, now, to me, which is called chess, you know, which is, you know, I'll say this, like chess to me represents like the other 200 some odd songs that he's working on. Right. Because I don't, I don't think that it's not just three songs. Right. Because if you think about the first two songs, like after the first two songs were with me with play it back, were so alone and sunrise. And then he did probably seven or eight or nine more songs, some collaborations, some on his own, some with other, you know, Mark Brown's beats, some with beats that he and I put together. But after that, when he went home and started making his own beats at a certain point, He'd done a bunch of songs, and then he sent me this one song called Chess, and it just blew my mind. And um, so I think that Chess represents, like, sort of the third phase, you know? And to me, um, it's just awesome. It's just a great song. And um, and he's got other great songs, I think, but this one just hits me. And, um, you know, I mean, especially the song, I mean, he, he wrote it, like, his parents had mentioned that he had written a song for everyone in his family, and he wrote a song for me, which made me cry. Oh, you know, I bet. He was, and for Hillary, for playback, basically. And, um, you know, those are like really beautiful and deep and honest. And I think that he just puts that into his own stuff. And so, I mean, obviously, as a songwriter, you know, you know, not everything you're going to write is going to be a home run, right? You know, maybe you write, if you're lucky, you write one great one out of, you know, 20, 30, 40 songs. But, um, you know, this, this in particular, and, is amazing. So I love this one. Cool. Let's listen to it. Back and forth, I can make up my mind. On my knees, beg the Lord one more time. Can you please help me get through the night? Nothing. Chest, coming after my peace. 
have to say, Brian, you, <laughs> well, I've already said it a billion times. You were, you were here to, to be an example and to, um, write music, uh, school music, help other people's with music. I can see when we start talking about your songwriting process, you guys can't see this, but he just radiates this beautiful smile and is so genuinely happy and passionate about it. Um, it's, it's really amazing. We are going to make sure that you guys can hear the songs up on the Teen Cancer America website, and I'll share that information at the end. Um, but I think we should break it down just a little bit. Um, there's a couple things I want to ask you, Brian, and then we'll probably close the show soon. But one thing that I really like to ask um, our AYA people is if you had words of advice for somebody else that's going through something similar that you went through right now, do you have any words of wisdom? Get it out. However that looks like, get it out, whether it's music, whether what some kind of art, whatever, whatever works for you, exercise, whatever, just get it out. I know it's there, but you got to get it out. It's great. The other thing I'd love to know, Brian, you are doing so much with TCA on your own, and I know that you've been songwriting with the other guests. Tell me a little bit, Kenley or Brian, about what you're doing now, because you are deeply involved in TCA. Yeah, you know, I uh, I know what this did for me. I believe in this, and like, I see what it's doing for other people, man, and it's really like, I just honestly like blessed to be a part of it <laughs> yeah it's it's just a blessing it's just an absolute blessing to be a part of well it's a it's a blessing to have you and um and to ha and for you to uh to believe so much in what has been created you know i would say that we created it we're creating it but i think you and i have conversations where it's bigger than than me it's bigger than you it's bigger than so you know, and to be part of something that can help so many other people is really just incredible. You know, you're, as we say, one of the OGs and, um, you know, and getting your chops together to help out other people and to do what I'm doing, you know, in producing for other people with other people. So, I mean, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your parents. I'm so thankful that you guys got through what you went through. You know, I know it's, I know it can be harrowing, you know what I mean? To say the least. You know, I mean, that's such a, that's an understatement, but, um, I'm so glad you're here. I'm really proud of the person you are. I'm glad I got to meet you on the other side. <laughs> Sorry, parents, <laughs> but you know, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, it was on the right side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, I want to thank you all for being with us today. Thank you so much, Greg and Betty for hanging out and you know really supporting your son and, and the program and so before we close this out there's one other thing that we should mention kenley do you want to uh explain because it's it's super cool yeah so you know because of the nature of music now and how we can kind of reach out to other people and send tracks via the internet and um and have other people plan stuff that aren't in the room um 
I asked Greg to play on, actually on JC's song, which is, he was the first episode uh, of, uh, of, of this podcast, and Greg uh, played piano and arranged strings for JC's song, and it makes me realize I need to hit Greg up for some more tracks, <laughs> but he is uh, a very, you know, seasoned, talented, professional composer, musician, and, uh, and player, so uh, I just want to thank Greg for doing that and for supporting the program and, and being such a inspiration to me you know what i mean just to see that you know that he made he supported his i say this to brian a lot supported his family making music you know i mean i know you know they both supported their family and i just know that um you know having a musician as one of the parents you know is a is a an accomplishment it's not an easy thing to do not at all much respect mad respect uh, big, big thanks, Kenley. I'm always happy to uh, help out. It's it's such a great program, and I, I very much admire uh, how you uh, conduct your services. And I, you know, I had some collaborators, and I would name you a, a very a generous collaborator, producer, whatever it is you do. You, you just do that Kenley thing. It, it defies. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So all the people that are listening that are interested in this program, the Play It Back program, you actually might be working with Greg too. That's like a double win-win or a triple with Kenley. Um, yeah. So please take advantage of this program. I'm going to close it out for today. But, you know, Brian, I want to thank you the most. Um, Since the very first time I met you when we started talking about these podcasts, I couldn't wait to say that you were going to be our next guest. So I'm really happy that this worked out today. I'm really happy that you told your whole story, which is so important. And above all, I'm just excited about what your future holds. And I just want to thank you very much. Thank you, Aaron. You're very kind. Thank you. Okay, here's our exclusive. Please go to our website, teencanceramerica.org. Go to the Play It Back program where you can listen and download Brian's three songs, So Alone, Sunrise, and Chess. And you can also learn always much more about Teen Cancer America. That wraps up our show for today. I can't wait to introduce you to our next artist next week. Stay tuned. The Real Me is presented by Teen Cancer America and produced by Pantheon Podcasts. Hosted by Erin Alden, produced by Christian Swain and Erin Alden. All music performed by the Play It Back music players, led by Kenley Mattis. Sound designed by Jerry Danielson. And please... Visit TeenCancerAmerica.org to listen to today's full song and to find out more information on these amazing young people. And if you can, please donate. Even the price of a cup of coffee would greatly be appreciated by us. And anything you can do to help these young people will be richly rewarded, I'm sure.